Hi there, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of McGowan Braybender's podcast channel, Side Effects. The current climate of our world is concerning. We are adjusting to a new normal during this novel coronavirus outbreak. Many people around the world are being laid off, businesses are closing, and work hours are being altered. Many people are also working from home while figuring out how to juggle and balance their work life and their real life. When employees are used to working 40 hours a week in an office surrounded by coworkers to working from a desk alone in the back room of their home, management and HR must reinforce their company culture, protocol, values, and mission. Today, we are joined by Lindsay Pollack, the leading expert on millennials in the multi-generational workplace. She was recently named the 2020 Thinkers 50 Radar List, and her latest book, the Remix, How to Lead and Succeed in the Multi-Generational Workplace, was published in 2019 and named a Book of the Month by both the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times. She's a New York Times best-selling author, and her speaking audiences have included over 250 corporations, conferences, and universities. If you've never worked from home, this can be a challenge. In this podcast, we will get Lindsay's advice on such remote work issues as staying productive, managing employees remotely, and maintaining team morale. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. I'm Scott McGowan. I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong. But one thing is, we're not afraid. Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Hello and welcome to Side Effects. I'm Kenzie Fell. Um, This podcast is a little bit different today. We are broadcasting remotely from our homes. Um, I am currently in my home office. And if you hear a dog barking, I apologize. That's my bass hound in the background. So hopefully she stays quiet. Um, But Scott, welcome. Where are you broadcasting from today? I am in Dayton, Ohio. Springboro, right. in my house, in my basement. <laughs> and our guest, Lindsay, welcome to Side Effects. Thank you so much for joining us. You are currently in your home in New York City, is that correct? That is correct. I'm on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Wonderful. Yeah. Hey, Lindsay, thanks for joining us. Hey, before we talk about this, how are you in like the epicenter of like all these things that are happening? So um, before we talk about helping others, how are you and your family? Thank you so much for asking. Um, We are doing fine, healthy and safe and kind of cocooned at home, going for walks each day. And um, New York is really um, a little bit scary right now. The streets are empty, which is something that is obviously very unusual for us. But People are cheering every day at 7 p.m. I don't know if you've seen that for the the medical professionals, which is a really beautiful moment that we look forward to. Uh, We're keeping in touch with everyone and and, I'm just so grateful in New York for the love and support and messages from everyone around the country to help us get better and share whatever we learn from being the epicenter with everybody else. So thank you for asking and, and thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I love that too. I did see people are cheering at the same time every night and it's nice. It's a little uplifting during this crazy time. 
So um, as I mentioned in our show notes, you are the nation's leading expert on people in the workplace. So we feel very lucky to have you with us today. And like we just said, we're in a time we've never seen before. So what do you kind of think about this whole transition and place we are right now? So um, yes, thank you. I have done uh, some work with Scott and McGo and Graybender. I've been to your offices, which is really fun to, to connect with all of you again. So I think one of the positives of this is that people are reconnecting in ways that really kind of weren't happening. It sort of uh, forced everyone to pause and think about who can I help in this situation? Who can I connect with or reconnect with? Um, so I think there are always silver linings. Um, I think that the suddenness of what happened um, and how quickly offices closed, how quickly people had to work from home is going to be really interesting long term of people realizing, wow, maybe we don't need a one-year strategic plan to get people working remotely. Maybe we can pivot much more quickly. Um, I've been very charmed, I just blogged about this, by some people who were so resistant to technology like Zoom um, and FaceTime who are being forced to adapt and realizing, hey, I can do this. You know, my dad is one of those people who's just figuring it out. So I think it's forcing people to be agile. It's forcing people to disrupt some ways of working that maybe they didn't have any incentive to change before. Um, on the negative side, of course, there is tremendous unemployment. There are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I think, much needed, but very concerning attention to the lack of a safety net for a lot of people, um, particularly gig economy workers and consultants. But it's really forcing some issues that we weren't addressing. So I try to be an optimist. I try to see things from the positive, but I don't want to downplay the fact that, that certainly a lot of people are suffering. Have you had any, um, you know, could you have any advice for employers that maybe they have a portion of their workforce that can't work remotely? But they're obviously, you know, you know, like in Ohio, we have stay-at-home orders. New York City has a lockdown. So have, have you talked to your customers or clients about, you know, what do I do with these folks? I have. I think the number one for people who still need to go to work is communication, which is clarity about who exactly is essential and needs to go to work, what the organizations are doing to keep those people safe. Our local grocery store just put up uh, plastic barriers around the people work working at the cast registers, and they did that wow. pretty much overnight. Um, I think some tremendous um, gratitude and acknowledgement of what people are having to sacrifice goes a very long way um, for people to be incentivized. Um, and there have been some um, increases in salary and bonuses for the people who do have to risk their lives to be there. So communication, um, certainly safety, and a, a very large amount of gratitude. Exactly. So when we look at like the technology side of working from home, I know our IT department has been amazing and they got VPN on everyone's computers and we had a really good plan in place. Um, so what is, what are some things that if you are working from home, what kind of technology needs to be in place? Well, I think any support, and it's wonderful that, that McGo and Braybender had a plan. Um, those who did are implementing them quite well, I think. Those who didn't are going to have to make do. So number one is to, I think, start simple 
and say, okay, let's use Zoom, let's use Skype, let's use Google Docs, let's use mm -hmm. the tools that are simple, have a lot of free tutorials online, let's not get too fancy and try to implement something really enormous if we need to keep things simple. So I think, you know, we've seen a lot of people using Zoom and Google Docs, for example. I also think you need to give people the help that they need. So I've noticed, as you mentioned, a lot of organizations are ramping up their IT support. I think there are a ton of free tutorials. I cannot tell you how many times I'm now homeschooling my eight-year-old daughter, as many of you are parents out there, how many times I've had to Google, how do we change the color background on Google Docs, right? You can just type a question in and find out the answer. And there's a lot of resources out there. So keep it really, really simple um, and use the tools that you're comfortable with at the very beginning. And I think we also have to be really patient with each other teaching other people how to use these technologies who maybe have literally never, ever had to use them before. You know, it's funny, Lindsay, is my mom called me yesterday and said, hey, do you know anything about Zoom? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Boy. And she said, any chance you could um, help our family um, have, a, have a Zoom call tonight? And could we play a game? And I was like, and my mom, well, I, I probably shouldn't say her age. Okay, so she's my mom. And, uh, <laughs> you know, watching my dad and mom try to, you know, like figure out that technology. But you know what's interesting is, I think even through this, is we're a heck, we're a heck of a lot smarter than we think we are. Mm -hmm. um, it just allows us to adapt and change quickly. Like you had even mentioned that McGo and Brebner had a plan. I think what we have is we had a culture and we had structure. Uh, and, we, and I think the biggest thing we had is the fact that we had trust and the fact that the people that were lined up in the midst of a crisis and a big event could just step up and move and make really, really quick decisions. I really like that you focused on trust. Um, and as you mentioned, Kenzie, in the intro, uh, that I do a lot of research on the different generations in the workforce. And one of the things to keep in mind is when you measure trust by generation, just really generally, not at a particular company, it tends to be lower with younger employees. They're less trusting of the media, they're less trusting of the government, they're less trusting of corporations for a variety of reasons, including social media and not being sure of the truth. Now is the time to really connect one-on-one -on -one and leaders of organizations to build and maintain that trust. Because I, I do think it's a little bit um, concerning of young people who are not quite sure whether their companies are really trustworthy. So I think bringing up that issue and doing everything you can to build that trust is so important right now, probably more than ever before. So do you think we could have worked like from home like this 10, 15 years ago? Is that even possibility? No, I, I think it's, you know, really fascinating that this happened now when, you know, the majority of people have Wi-Fi, you know, almost everybody has a mobile phone. Um, I remember, you know, just thinking back to 9-11, to which is probably the, the most maybe comparable, if at all, crisis that I personally have been through in my career, you mm -hmm. know, Wi-Fi was still, um, you know, uh, through phone wires for a lot of people. Um, we couldn't really send images. We couldn't do FaceTime. So just thinking about that crisis, the ability to see each other's faces, all of us are looking at each other right now while we do this. You know, in 9-11, we certainly used the telephone, but we didn't have that human connection. So I think it's remarkable the tools that we have. And, and I think, Scott, to your point, people who were really, really, really resistant are realizing now the value of some of these tools. And all that was standing in their way was fear or resistance. And when they actually use them, 
they see how valuable they can be. And I think we never go back from that. I think that's a permanent change. Yeah, I think what's so when you think about technology from an organizational standpoint, um, how, how do you like what would you recommend to your clients in regards to like strategies and technologies to get them used to working away from the office? So I think that the suddenness of this has meant that we don't have a choice, you know, so I think people mm -hmm. are dealing with it. What I think is really interesting, and, and I, I'm very, very honest about the fact that I never really liked face-to-face -face video calls, and I'll tell you why, and I think this will probably resonate with a lot of people, I worry about my hair. I worry about my makeup. I worry <laughs> yeah. about the background. And let me tell you, like all, I mean, like you're looking at my ponytail right now. I think there is a lot of fear of, do I look good enough for this? Am I going to look funny? I don't know where to look. You know, am I going to look as professional as I need to? There was a, a meme going around about newscasters, but now we're seeing into their homes. So I think that a little bit of vulnerability on the part of managers to say, hey, you guys, I have no makeup on. Hey, you guys, I have bedhead. Uh, here's the mess behind me. You know, my dog is, you know, hair is everywhere my kid is going to run through the video i think if leaders can model imperfection and vulnerability right now i think that's really important because at work we can present this professional self and we know that we're in a conference room or we're in an office well now that we don't have that i think people are very afraid that it will mess up that professional image and so i was on a, a call with an hr uh, client and she said, okay, everybody, no makeup, everybody wear pajamas, you know, just be as yeah. vulnerable as you can. So I think some of it is just getting over that imperfection that a lot of people really don't like to show in the workplace. So is there some tips that you would give to managers or leadership about how to connect? I, that is a great idea to everyone show up on your PJs. We have a morning meeting every morning at 8.15 and we're all in our PJs. <laughs> One of our employees is growing out his beard. We like to update that. It's, it's pretty funny. So what other kind of tips do you think you could give to managers for this situation? I heard somebody say, we're going to learn everybody's natural hair color now, right? <laughs> we all hit it. Now we're going to know. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm certainly in that, in that boat. These highlights are not natural. Um, so <laughs> One of the things that, that I've always been taught, I lead a lot of webinars professionally, and it can get out of control, right? Like you want everybody to talk, you want everybody to feel comfortable, but we don't have those natural cues that we have in person. So one of the things I would recommend to managers, and, and let's talk about team calls, because that's what you brought up. I think team calls mm -hmm. are so valuable right now for everyone to be on the same page, for everyone to see each other's faces, but you need a moderator, you need mm -hmm. someone to take control. I think it can be the leader at the beginning, but one of the things I've seen is people who are passing that baton and saying, okay, Kenzie, you led the call yesterday. Scott's going to lead the call today. Lindsay's going to lead the call tomorrow. Give everybody mm -hmm. that opportunity for leadership. And what I recommend for the moderator of a call is to act like a radio host. This is what I've always mm. been taught as a webinar presenter, which is people want to know when they can talk, for how long they should talk and what they should do when they're finished. So if you listen to a radio producer, they might say something like, Kenzie, I'm gonna to toss this question to you. Now, Kenzie, you know that I'm teeing up this question and you're getting prepared. So Kenzie, exactly. tell us a little bit about what you did yesterday morning. And after that, Scott, I'm gonna to toss it over to you. So Kenzie, when you're finished, would you pass it over to Scott? So you're mm. really kind of telling people 
when they can talk and sing. And if anyone else would like to add, send me a chat and I'll call on you next. So manage who's speaking at which time so that everybody's included and everybody gets an opportunity and you don't have that sort of situation of talking over. So number one, have a clear moderator, which you can pass around. Number two, make it clear to people when they should talk. And number three, be inclusive to make sure everybody speaks up on every call. I love that. That's, a great That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're the host on Zoom and you can just mute everybody, control it, correct? <laughs> the ultimate power. Yes. 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 But I, I think is... sometimes the vocal people talk a lot and the more quiet people don't or the people who aren't as comfortable with the technology. You want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate. What about, you know, outside of managers, what about just team members? So communication and, you know, what, what advice can you give them? So I think loneliness is a real concern mm -hmm. right now. Um, mental health, um, just connection. I'm really encouraging people once a day or whatever's comfortable for you, reach out to a colleague who you're used to talking to, whether it's text or email or FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever. Think of the people you see every day, literally make a list on a post-it note and check in with those people every day or every other day. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I thought I, I love sending, there's so many funny memes and gifts going around, sending those to people regularly just to keep in touch. Whoever you would have bumped into in the break room, whoever you would have grabbed a Starbucks with, try to keep up some of those rituals. And again, it doesn't have to be a one hour heart to heart call. I, I just, while we're sitting here, got a text from a friend of mine who said, happy Monday. How was the weekend? How are you holding up? You know, that's all it has to be. But that sort of... Um, that tendency to um, be alone and be isolated, we have to be very active in trying to overcome that. Think of your assistant, think of um, the intern who just started, think of uh, the custodian who you don't see very often, all those people that you keep in touch with, try to maintain those relationships as much as possible. I know this isn't easy, but it makes me feel better every time I talk to somebody else. Well, one of the reasons why um, we thought of your name when we were talking about, hey, you know, what can we talk to people about is you're an expert when it comes to just multi-generations. Uh, and so what I'd really love to do is get your opinion on which segment of a generation you think is going to adapt really well to this and which probably segment of the generation is just really going to struggle through this. So I'm going to do some stereotyping, which is something I'm always cautious about, but mm -hmm. there have been a lot of articles. I can't take credit for this. I myself am a Gen Xer. That's those of us uh, born between 1965 and 1980. So um, very late 30s, 40s, and early 50s. We tend to be what we call the middle child generation, kind of the forgotten generation. We like to eat lunch at our desks. We're kind of sandwiched <laughs> between the big millennial generation and the big boomer generation. There have been a lot of jokes that Xers are fine with this because we've always been introverted and, you know, kind of on our own anyway. So people who are introverted, people who like to work alone, people who like silence, people who like um, some solitude are perhaps a little bit better off. The danger is nobody wants 100% solitude, but introverts of any generation and maybe some Gen Xers who kind of like that, that time alone, um, I think are gonna do well. The danger for a lot of Xers is we're also the sandwich generation that we have young children at home, but we also have parents who might be in 
a group, the group of people who uh, are at risk for coronavirus. So that sort of needing to tend to the personal side of this puts Xers in a tough spot um, as opposed to our, uh, our work lives. Baby boomers, I think tend, not all, but tend to be very social. They like to work with a lot of people and like in-person and phone. So I think it can be very challenging for boomers who want to connect, who want to be around a lot of people. Um, I'm thinking my boomer mom, she's on like, I swear to you, seven Zoom calls a day with all of her friends and all of her clubs and all of her everything. I think that boomers who are willing to use the technology to play to their next natural strength of community and connection um, can do quite well. Millennials, I think, are also very social and very comfortable with technology. Have you seen the DJs who are doing dance parties with millennials, uh, people oh, doing yeah. virtual cocktail hours? I think that can be very positive. I'm very, very concerned about Generation Z which is those born 1997 and later, so 23 and younger, who are graduating or just starting careers, I'd really encourage everybody to think about your interns, to think about your entry level young people, to think about the barista at your coffee shop. Um, I've seen early reports that some of the highest rates of unemployment are coming from young people. Companies are starting to rescind offers to college graduates to come work or do internships. So often those newbies first, you know, last one in are the first ones out. So I think there's a, a real danger of young people who are just starting out not being able to launch their careers. So if you know a college student, if you know an intern, if you have entry level talent, that's the group that I'm most concerned about. I'm actually going to offer a free webinar to college students and recent graduates. I'll share that information with you because I think that they need a lot of support right now. That's very interesting. And I agree. We're not big about the stereotyping either, but to kind of um, look at millennials again, as a millennial, um, I know many do prefer working from home. Most of my friends only want to take jobs that they can work from home. Um, however, I think I'm an exception. I really like the social and I like to be at work and I like to go stop by and say hi to Kathy at the front desk, you know, so I'm a little bit different. And um, our team was talking about Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine's wife, she, Fran, she was discussing how critical millennials will be in ending this crisis early. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Do you mean uh, in terms of following the orders to stay at home? Yes, and millennials being a part of, not the problem, but that we can have a huge influence on this. I think it's up to every generation. I do think that there was a, there were a lot of negative media reports about uh, young people on spring, spring break, uh, particularly mm -hmm. in Florida, uh, that was perceived negatively. I think we've seen the very concerning statistics that young people are getting this virus as well. Um, right. So I think each generation has a responsibility um, to follow the instructions and, and to be as safe as possible and share that with their peer group. Um, so yeah, I do think that that message was not getting through to a lot of young people early on. I don't know if there's any blame to be assigned, but mm -hmm. I think um, the, the knowledge that this can affect anybody is really important to, to spread. I also think young people are tremendously good at social media and can mm -hmm. spread messages very quickly through technology. So um, certainly their power of viral information is really an asset right now. And I love that you're mentioning the memes that are going viral. Uh, that's a lot of what my friends are saying. We're 26 and up and we're like, hey, 
we're not the ones on the beach. Don't yell at the millennials, you know? So um, it is interesting to see how we do have power. And I was reading something about travel shaming and how if people are traveling or gathering, then our generation is kind of trying to put a stop to that. So they're putting it on social media and we're trying to, you know, don't put that out there because we're going to tell you you're not supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to social distance. We've got to flatten the curve. So I agree. The social media um, influence is huge right now. And we do have that power too. Um, so kind of changing gears, talking about um, schools and colleges that are closing and turning to online classes. How are employees and employers that are working from home supposed to handle these disruptions now their kids are home and I know like you said homeschooling is happening um, what are some work from home tips you have with all of these disruptions at all different areas so first I want to say this is unprecedented that people are being asked to be with their children school their children complete their jobs check on their elders and neighbors and stay sane I mean this is absolutely unprecedented and there is no winning. There is no perfection. There is no good way to do this. The best parenting advice I've read during coronavirus is to lower the bar and give yourself a lot of leeway <laughs> because it's impossible. It's impossible. Some people are sharing computers with their children. Some people, you know, have to oversee four kids at home in four different grades doing all different assignments while they are on conference calls. So number one, Perfection is out the window. Number two, be honest with the people on your team and say, look, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., I just can't join conference calls. We need to be flexible here because that is the time that my kids are getting their assignments and I need to set them up. Can we be flexible? So I think getting into a little bit of a schedule, there's no perfection, but knowing, hey, 11 to 1 is a really good time for me to do calls. Um, I've actually seen some leaders put in the signature lines of their emails now, what hours are best to reach them because they have all these additional responsibilities. So I think it's an act of generosity and professionalism on the part, particularly of leaders to say, this is the best time to get in touch with me. This is the best time to ask me questions and to reach me. You know, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. is just too hard for me right now. Or you know what, I'm gonna be online from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I'm not saying you have to email me then, but that's when you're going to hear back from me. So number one, give people mm -hmm. some guidance on what is possible. Um, for anyone who has a partner at home, uh, and not everybody does, but if you have a co-parent, if you have a spouse, I think tag teaming has worked very well uh, for my husband and me, which is, okay, I'm doing this podcast with the going Brave you're on, right? And so this is your time. When I'm done, I will take over and, and feed lunch or whatever it is. So I think any way to somehow um, kind of split up the responsibilities. I also think we have to realize what can maybe fall away. I don't think people's houses are going to be as clean as they want them to be. I think that it's going to really cause people to say, hey, you know that meeting that we did every week? Maybe we only need that every other week now. Um, I also think that multitasking is great. When I take my daughter out for a bike ride and she's riding up Riverside Park, that's when I call a friend, right? That's when I check in with someone where I know it's going to be short. So it's a lot of balancing. It's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of imperfect but it's really, I think, forcing people to say what is absolutely critical to get done and what isn't, right? And how can I give other people guidance on how best to work with me at this time? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things too, Lindsay, is, you know, you just mentioned like the employee that is generous and puts the, the, the scheduling time in there uh, in the email. But in regards to human resources, so we're looking at 
you know, by the grace of God, there's a lot of organizations that have maintained a workforce, kept a workforce, and understand that 40 hours under traditional hours is off the off the truck. But um, what advice can you can you can you can you give? You know, especially maybe even HR professionals in regards to just giving your your staff, your workforce, just some flexibility and what that what that looks like. It's a great question, and I, I think it's very generous to understand that work is not going to happen the way it did. I think there are a couple key themes. One is clarity. So here is, Kenzie, exactly what you need to get done this week. Our mm-hmm. top three prayer, and this is why I love that you have team calls and why it's so important to make sure everybody understands this week or this month, here are the three priorities of what needs to get done. Here are the projects that we are now going to put on the back burner because of this new situation. Here are my expectations for what you need to do. For example, some managers are just nervous about this. They just get worried. So if you are one of those managers and you just have to know that people are at their desk at 9 a.m., tell them. Kenzie, I need to know you're at your desk at 9 a.m. I'm going to call you at 9 a.m. I need you to be there. And you know what? I'm sorry. That's just who I am and I need it. And I need you there at five o'clock. And what you do between is fine, but I just need it. And you know what? That's okay. Or at the end of every day, Kenzie, I'm just using you as my example here. I need you to send me a list of the three things that you accomplished today so that I understand what's happening. So if you are that kind of leader, own it and say, here's what I need. Don't assume that your employees are doing the wrong thing, they might just not know. So number one, I think is clarity, 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 clarity. Number two is to give people some boundaries, which is look, I know you're not gonna work 40 hours, but I need to know that you are answering all your emails, or Mm -hmm. I need to know that our clients are going to be called back within 24 hours. Be extra clear on what the boundaries are. Hey, I need to see that document once before you send it out. I'd like to see that report before it gets filed, right? Clarity and boundaries, I think, are really, really critical. And then if you can have some wiggle room in between. But I don't think it's fair for somebody to just assume that people know what they need to get done because these are such extraordinary circumstances. Exactly. And a good example is our strategy and innovation team is super busy right now. We're um, maintaining the website and we just have our projects on top of all this COVID-19 stuff. Like you said, it's like we're trying to maintain and prioritize what's the most important, but then some teams might not be as busy because they can't be in the field working and they can't do their face-to-face. So how do you address um, lopsided motivation in teams right now? It's a great question. And some people might personally just have more bandwidth, right? They're single and they live alone and they have a lot of time and other people have five kids at home and you know are very busy. So number one, I think, is to ask the question, how's your bandwidth? What is going well? Where are you struggling? So I think another piece of advice for leaders is to get a lot of feedback, right? And say, okay, who's overwhelmed? Who doesn't have that much going on? And, and trust your people to be honest about that. So number one is assess. Here's who's overwhelmed, here's who's not. And then say, are there any areas where you think other people can support you? What can we take off of your plate right now? And then ask people to step up for those responsibilities. It might be, I can do your expense reports right now. I can um, take messages and answer some calls for you. Whatever it is that someone might be able to share with others, ask them exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. And then rebalance as much as possible, which may not be possible, but if it is possible. 
The thing I would say for people who are not busy is now is the time to work on those projects that were always the nice to haves, that were always <laughs> the maybe some days, right? So have a brainstorming call. Hey, if we had all the time in the world, how would we use this time? Maybe um, you would take a class on improving your Excel skills. Um, a lot of companies are offering Khan Academy, which is free, LinkedIn Learning, any way to say, hey, you know what, um, Scott, we've always been talking about you improving uh, your uh, skills on X, Y, and Z. Why don't you take that class and report back to me on it now? Um, now we can reorganize those files that we never got to. So I think really pushing people to brainstorm those ideas. So help the people who are busy when possible, and then think about those nice to have so that you're in a really good position uh, moving forward. I also think, frankly, some people who are not as busy can be reallocated to be motivators, to be positivity, to be givers, to be helpers, to send people positive messages, right, to do charitable work at this time. There's so much that can be done. I was just reading about an initiative to write thank you notes to sanitation workers who come and pick up trash. They need to be Aww. working, and that's a tough job. So I think spreading the word about some of that philanthropic charitable work is extremely important right now, in addition to any work that needs to be done for a business. You know, Lindsay, one is, uh, I can't thank you enough for all this advice, but, you know, as I'm thinking about an employee or a, a, a kind of a segment of the workforce that they get, they get affirmed in the workplace, right? So I do a project and it's completed and I'm, and I'm getting affirmed. Well, the kind of the availability of that getting affirmed is um, obviously dissipated. So, what, what advice can you give to them? I think you, you raised this, the, I, I would say, the sense of urgency for managers and leaders to step up and be very clear with what, what I'm expecting. But what advice do you give those people that need that affirmation to keep, to keep going forward? It's a great question. And I, I think the psychological piece of this is huge. I mean, people really need acknowledgement and attention and, and human contact right now, particularly positive when, when uh, reading the news can be so, so difficult. I would say as a leader, I've always been a fan and, and I, I fight against stereotypes every day generationally, but that stereotype mm -hmm. that we all know of millennials wanting trophies for participating. Now is now the time <laughs> to give some of those freaking trophies. Like it's okay right now and a trophy I don't like the trophy for participation but I like the trophy for doing good work so now is the time to be extra generous with great job thank you so much mm -hmm. excellent work awesome effort thanks for a great day really appreciate you I mean managers force yourself to give everybody some kind of acknowledgement every day and by the way acknowledgement is how you doing you know you seem to be having a hard time today I'm just checking in but I think every manager as much as possible, and I know some people are very busy right now, need to take the time with every employee every day. Maybe you even have a, a chain, right? Of Kenzie, your job is to, to look in on Mike and Mike's job is to look in on Thomas or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. to prioritize that now more than ever before because this will end and we will come back together and the bonds I think that you know people always reach out to me how do we improve retention how do we improve retention how you improve retention right now is you make sure everybody feels acknowledged and listened to and part of the team um, because it's going to be really hard to come out of this and we're going to need that motivation and loyalty when things turn around and you can build that just by checking in on people and, and saying thank you. And I know McGowan Bravender has always been good at that, but I think companies, you know, sometimes aren't and we need to, to focus on that as a business imperative now, not just a nice to have. 
And I feel very lucky with my position too. I just recently asked our entire company, if you have anything that's making you smile, send it to me. So I feel lucky because I get to see all of these things. And then I like to share them with the company because it's just like a little, little glimmer of hope that like, oh, she does that still. That's so fun. Or um, that just is one side note that I thought was a nice way to stay connected too. But I love it. Um, if there are, what are any other challenges that a workforce could be running into that we haven't yet discussed in this podcast? I, I think the technology and work from home piece are, are always worth delving into a little bit more. I think we need to really check in on people and ask them how they're doing with the technology. Because sometimes if you have an employee who maybe is isolated or an employee who's not pulling their weight or employee who's not getting much done, it may not be that they can't or that they won't. It might be that they're not understanding the technology or they're struggling with the tools that we have. So um, I just want to make the point again that asking people for feedback, how's it going? Where do you need help? Um, how's the technology going? Are there things that are going better working from home? And are the things that you're really struggling with? I think that assessment overall is going to be really critical. I think it also helps us plan for the future. You know, I don't think we're all going to work from home forever. I think even Kenzie, you mentioned millennials love to work from home, but they're also very social and want to come in and, and hang out too. So I think kind of keeping a list, what are the pros of working from home? What are the cons? Where do people need support? Don't assume people are slacking off because they're watching Netflix. There might be a variety of reasons and you want to actually kind of dig into what those might be because it might not be what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, Lindsay, one of the things too, even organizations with, uh, and, and, and we were talking about this on a couple of calls with even customers. So they have massive real estate. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're figuring out, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not sure. And, and I'm not going to say they're going to get rid of real estate, but I'm not sure I need these offices all across the country. Uh, and so I think organizations will be thinking about a lot of things differently as this evolves and moves forward. I absolutely agree, but I think anyone jumping to conclusions mm-hmm. when well, everybody can work from home all the time is not <laughs> the right takeaway. Uh, what I think is that it's going it, to, first, I think it's going to impact the people who thought my team can never work from home. You know, it's absolutely impossible. I think we have now gotten rid of that argument. And so I think that's a really big deal. What this doesn't answer is what's the right balance. How much office space do we need? How much in-person do we need? Um, And I'm really going to be watching very closely, as I know you are, to to how companies play with the answers. I don't think there is a perfect answer, right? I don't think that it's, well, 63% of the time we should be in the office and and this number of employees. But I think it's going to lead to a lot more experimentation. And and frankly, some companies are not going to be able to afford their real estate anymore, depending on how the economy shakes out. And that's a tragedy, but it also is an opportunity for innovation to say, well, you know, here's where we are. If we're going to get an office again, we're going to have to justify the expense. So I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation um, that I'm going to be looking to very closely. Uh, Personally, I worked out of a co-working space, like a, a WeWork. And I think the availability of those kinds of middle spaces where it's not your corporate headquarters, but it's not your home are going to be very interesting to possibly play a role here too. I think we're going to find some creative solutions to to some of the real estate issues. I I wish I could see the future, um, but I know that it's going to be a lot of experimentation uh, before we figure it out. But there is just no question in my mind that this will be the tremendous enormous catalyst to start having conversations I think a lot of people were avoiding. 
So as we're on this future topic, do you have any long-term advice that you can give employers besides, you know, keep the trust um, and be innovative? Is there anything else you would like to share? I wish I could think of who said it. Isn't there a quotation like never waste a crisis or, you know, like never, what, what is that, that quotation? Don't let a crisis go to waste. I mean, it's a political thing. As much as we can learn from this terrible, sad crisis, learn it now. So keep track, keep notes of here's what went better working from home. Here's what we did well. Here's where we really didn't do well. Here's where the challenges were. Here's where the opportunities were. Here are the good ideas we came up with during this time. Here are the parts of the business that fell apart and really kind of went, went down the tube. So don't waste the opportunity to learn from this situation. Again, it's awful and I have so much empathy and compassion for all of the challenges going on right now, but don't waste the opportunity to learn. Yeah, I think one of the biggest benefits that I've seen in the last two weeks is just the uh, the power of journaling. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, name it to claim it to change it. I think what's even, and, and I know we're, we're going to wrap up here. I think it's interesting that the fear of something that you, we can't even see. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that we're afraid of, but we can see it or we can envision it. But to, to be afraid of something that we cannot see is, is really interesting. And our mind's kind of a really wiggy place to be. Uh, and when we get those thoughts out on paper or into someone else's ears or hearts, get them out of our minds, out of our mouths, into somebody else's ears. And it's okay to talk about all that stuff. Hey, as we wrap this up, you, you, you've been to McGowan Brabender. You've been to a lot of organizations that have great, just dynamic cultures. Uh, what advice would you give organizations to, like, to pursue and maintain that culture from, from a remote pos uh, position? It's a great question. I think you have to think about it every day as a business imperative, right? And I know that's something that McGowan Brabender has always done, some companies not as strongly. So every day, just as you're thinking about your profit and loss statement, as you're thinking about your continuity plans, as you're thinking about the safety of your employees, what did I do today to contribute to our company culture? Who did I call? What did I do philanthropically? Um, how did I live the values of our firm today in this process? Every day, have that on your to-do list, particularly if you're a leader or in a leadership role of the organization. What did I do today to contribute to my company culture? And it could be sending one text. It could be one small thing, but it has to be part of your daily activities. Yeah, great advice. Wow. Well, this was probably my favorite podcast to date. So Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us in this very unprecedented topic and time and remotely from your home um, as we all work to flatten the curve together. Um, also, Lindsay has a podcast called The Remix Out. So tune into that and we'll have all of her contact information and social media handles on our website. And if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com or you can email Scott at, at healthierbirthdays.com. At Scott, help you. Yep, exactly. Um, but thank you again, Lindsay, so much. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Stay well. Thank you.